All right. Ruth chapter 3. <laughs> not going to read the text. We'll be going through this section together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this day. Thank you that we can gather together around your word. And thank you for the songs that we have sung, the music that has been a blessing to our hearts this morning. I pray now that you would take the word that you have given to us, apply it, Lord, to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Ruth came back from gleaning in the field at the end of chapter 2, she gave her mother-in-law, Naomi, a bit of detail of what had happened. That's what women do. They like the details, and she gave some details of how that went. And I don't know if Ruth realized it yet or not, but Naomi, her mother-in-law, had kind of a sneaking suspicion that maybe this Boaz was interested in Ruth. And considering the fact that he was a close relative, Naomi started to get a little bit excited because that would affect her relationship as well. So in this third chapter of Ruth, Naomi gives Ruth some, I would say, pretty bold advice about what to do when it seems as if God is opening a door for a future relationship. And so I need to emphasize this. This is not about a woman who is looking to get married, but rather this is about a woman who sees the hand of God in what is happening here and is listening to the counsel of her mother-in-law. How do I approach this? What do I do? And here's the counsel then that Naomi gives to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. The first thing she says to her is, you need to prepare yourself for a possible wedding. Look at the first five verses. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? She was seeking someone that she could marry. Now, is not Boaz our kinsman? With whose maids you were, behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. Now, I would suggest to you that that was, I guess, pretty, pretty practical advice. Uh, Ruth had been out in the field, probably sweating, probably in need of a bath. And that's the first thing that Naomi tells her, take a bath. Okay. And I suppose that's pretty good practical advice. If she came in smelling, you know, not the best, that might not be the most romantic meeting with this prospective husband of hers, her Boaz. And she was told to anoint herself. Warren Wiersbe says that Eastern peoples used fragrant oils to protect and heal their bodies and to make themselves pleasant to others. A bride would especially take care to wear fragrant perfume that would make her nice to be near, Wearsby says. And if you read the Song of Solomon, you'll see a lot of references to these fragrant oils that were, were used in those days. And Naomi said, put your best clothes on. 
So in a nutshell, what she's saying, Naomi or Ruth, you need to, to make yourself attractive. This just might be your first date. Okay, very practical advice here. Unless you think I'm placing too much emphasis on the physical here, let me be quick to remind you that there was another way that Ruth was already being prepared for that day. She had made the most important preparation for marriage by putting her trust in the Lord. And this living relationship with the Lord was really transforming the life of this Moabite woman. Ruth was being changed in some wonderful ways through that relationship that she had with the Lord. I can think of several ways. I think, for example, the love that she had for her mother-in-law. Mother-in-laws get a bad rap, but but Naomi really, at least early on, wasn't the best example of a a godly woman. Remember, because she came back to to Bethlehem and remember how she said to the people, they said, is this Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. There was something even her countenance revealed that, that here was a woman that had gone through some difficult times and she said, don't call me pleasant. That's what Naomi means. Call me bitter. So she wasn't the greatest example to Ruth and yet Ruth loved her. Ruth showed a great respect and a great love for, for her mother-in-law. Isn't that part of preparation for marriage? Being able to love people and even when they aren't lovable? How about a marriage relationship? Are you always lovable? How many here are always lovable? Huh? None of us are that way. That is essential for, for a relationship, that there be that kind of, of love. We see in Ruth a very humble spirit. When, when Boaz showed kindness to her, uh, she, very humble, chapter 2, verse, verse 10, uh, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why should I find favor in your sight? Why should you care for me? Why should you provide for me? That very humble attitude of heart. And she was also one who was willing to listen to some advice. She was the advice given by her mother-in-law, who was in authority over here. Here's what you do, Ruth. And she did exactly what she said. Verse 5, all that you say, I will do for you. So the greatest preparation that anyone can make for that future relationship is to be spiritually prepared through a growing, a transforming relationship with Jesus. When do you begin? You begin now. That God is continuing that work in your life, making you more like Jesus, conforming you to the image of His Son, so that when that day comes, you're ready, prepared. So the first counsel that Naomi gave to Ruth, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for a possible wedding. The second advice she gave was a very bold advice in my mind. Present yourself to your potential mate. Look at verses 6 through 9. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. 
So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. If God seemed to be opening the door for a future relationship with Boaz, I suppose we could ask the question, why didn't Ruth just wait for that to happen? Boaz had already shown some interest in Ruth. Was this an attempt on the part of Ruth and and on the part of Naomi to to rush things? (laughs) Go and make yourself known that that this could be a, a future relationship. Although Ruth had, or excuse me, although Boaz had already shown interest in Ruth, he may not have known that she was interested in him. And and there were some legitimate concerns that Boaz probably had. For one thing, it's quite certain that Boaz was a bit older than Ruth. In chapter 2, verse 5, he calls her a young woman. In verses 10 and 11 of our text, he, he even calls her my daughter. And that's probably why he said then in verse 10, you have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men. Maybe this is why Naomi told Ruth to do what she did. Some guys don't think they have a chance with some of you ladies. And so he was older and she was younger. And Naomi said, go and present yourself to to Boaz. He's, he's, our, he's our near relative. And in that day, that was often what happened in, in, when there was a death, a, a widow. But there was a greater concern here that Boaz had. There was another man that was in the front of the line, so to speak, to marry Ruth. He was closer relative than, than Boaz was. And if you remember from chapter 2, verse 20, Naomi had hinted at this. Because he described Boaz as one of our close relatives. If he's one of our close relatives, what would that imply? There's another one, or there's others, and certainly there was another one, and he was even closer in relationship than Boaz was, and Boaz confirms this. Look at verse 11. He says, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, and for all my people in the city, know you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true, I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So it's obvious that Boaz is interested in Ruth. And now he knows that Ruth is also interested in him. But before Ruth leaves to go back home, Boaz does something to show Ruth that he is serious about this commitment. Verse 14 says, So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again he said, Give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. 
Now, there's probably several reasons why he, he did this. One obvious reason was to show his love for her, providing for her material needs. He had done that already in chapter 2, verse 17. He had given her a, about an ephah of barley. But here he gave her really many times more than that. Six measures of barley was probably about as much as she could carry. And so he was showing his, his care and, and his love for her. Another reason why he gave her this large gift of barley is for the sake of her mother-in-law, Naomi. In fact, Ruth tells Naomi that. If you look at verses 16 and 17, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And then she said, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Now, if your mind is turning like my mind was, I think, okay, is he trying to get in good with, uh, with Naomi? Sending a gift, make sure you give this to your mother-in-law, make sure that, that she is provided for, maybe. Some suggest that this, this was almost a, a picture of a dowry. Uh, since Naomi was Ruth's legal guardian, it may even have been intended to be a down payment the bride price paid at the time of betrothal. So it's obvious that Boaz is committed, if that was the plan of God. Now Barry Webb, in his commentary on Ruth, gives an interesting third possibility. He says the most significant outcome of Ruth's meeting with Boaz has been a promise. And what a promise it is. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Then he says, Boaz adds to it a sign to confirm the pledge he has made like an engagement ring that is given in anticipation of marriage. He tells Ruth to bring the garment she is wearing and when she holds it out, he pours six measures of barley into it, enough to fill it to overflowing. And Webb says, given the way it's handled, the garment in question could hardly be Ruth's main item of dress. It was probably a shawl of some kind, the sort of garment commonly used by women to carry their babies. So the filling of this garment by Boaz is more than simply a convenient way of giving Ruth grain. It is also an acted sign of the promise that he had made to her. It foreshadows the child that Ruth can now look forward to having when Boaz promised to her is fulfilled. I had never seen that before. But he really believes that that was like an engagement ring. That was a sign. That was a symbol. I am committed to you, Ruth. If this is the plan of God, I am committed to you. And so trusting that God is leading her, Ruth prepared herself for a possible wedding. She presented herself to, to Boaz. But then here's the most important thing, the third thing. And that counsel is to place yourself in the will of God. To put yourself in the will of God and ask the question, is this your plan, God? Is this what you want for me? Is this really your will for my life? In that day, if a man died childless, the law of God provided a way for him to have descendants. The closest relative would purchase the land 
and carry on his name by marrying the deceased person's widow. Most often it was a brother. If his brother's or if his brother died, then the brother would marry the, the widow, and through him then that brother would have descendants. There was no brother in this case. And so there had to have been someone then to marry, and it was the closest relative. So Boaz was a close relative, but there, as I mentioned, was a closer one. And according to the law, he had the first opportunity to purchase the land and then to marry Ruth. And it might have been tempting for Boaz to just bypass that and say, I'm just going to marry Ruth. I love her and she loves me and, I, and we're going to get married. But Boaz was a godly man and, and he wanted his marriage relationship to be based on the principles of God's word. And so notice how he, he places that relationship in the hands of God. Verse 12, he says, it's true, true, Ruth, I, I, I am a close relative, but there's one closer than me. You stay here when morning comes. If he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. This is the plan of God. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. Ruth also had to place her future in the hands of God as well. That was the advice of Boaz. And, and when she explained it to Naomi, she said the same thing, didn't she? Verse 16, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She told of the measures of barley that he gave and said, Don't... You know, don't go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then if you look at verse 18, here's Naomi's counsel. Then she said, wait, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Wait. I find it interesting what Naomi said when Ruth returned home, did you notice the phrase, how did it go in verse 16? Uh, some Bibles, mine, mine has a footnote because really the phrase is, who are you? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Here comes this daughter-in-law that, that Naomi had known for a long time and, and she had done what, what she was told to do and she comes back and Naomi asks the question, who are you? Literally, that's what it says. Who are you? It's as if Naomi is saying, are you Ruth, the widow of, from Moab? Or are you the soon-to-be Mrs. Boaz? Who, who, who are you? I can still ask, hear, hear my dad asking me when I came home from dating Judy, my wife now, how did it go? I kind of wonder if he was asking a similar question. Who are you? Are you just my son or, or are you the future husband of, of Judy? 
Because that's really what he was asking. How did, how did it go? Okay, Is this a relationship that is growing and developing? So, kids, when your mom and dad ask you, how did it go? Maybe they're asking more, huh? Who are you? How did it go? So, Ruth explains what happened. And when Naomi heard that explanation of what had happened that night, even though she was likely very excited about that, because that would affect her too, not just Ruth, she very wisely said, Wait, my daughter. Wait until you know how the matter turns out. In other words, you prepared yourself, Ruth. You presented yourself, Ruth. Now it's time to place yourself in the will of God. You need to wait. And see if this is God's plan. Wait and see if, if God confirms this. Because there was a potential roadblock, wasn't there? There was something that could have happened where that relationship would not have occurred. The closer relative could have said, I'm willing to redeem the land and I will take Ruth to be my wife. That could have happened. But it didn't, as we'll see in the next chapter. Wait to see how the matter turns out. I would suggest to you that that's a hard part. Placing yourself for the will of God and waiting to see what happens is sometimes difficult because we want our will and God to say, yes, I'm going to put my stamp on that. Like my kids sometimes will say, Dad, when they were younger, Dad, I'm going to the store. Okay? And my response sometimes, are you asking me or are you telling me? Oh, I'm, I'm asking you. So sometimes I wonder if the Lord says, are you asking me or are you telling me? Huh? The Lord wants us to ask him. Say, Lord, is this your plan? Is this your will? And when you pause to think about it, isn't, isn't God's way the best way? Is there any question about that? Should there be any doubt in our mind that God's way is the best way? Isn't the best thing that we could do with our future is to say, Lord, it's yours. I place my life in your hands. I place everything I have in your hands. He's the one that loved you, gave his son to die for you. As we've noted in, in our study of Ruth, that Jesus became your kinsman redeemer. He did much more for each of us than Boaz did for Ruth. Boaz purchased Ruth with silver and gold. But Jesus purchased you by paying the ultimate price for you. He bought you with his own blood. Wouldn't you be wise to trust the one who gave his very life for you? So I want to ask you today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, Lord, my life is yours. My future is yours. Your plan for me, O oh God, is is what I desire. There was a plaque in our home when I was growing up that said this, God always gives what is best to those who leave the choice with Him. 
And I've never forgotten that. God always gives what's best to those who leave the choice with Him. That's true with marriage. For some, it's marriage. For some, it might be to remain single. But if it's in God's plan, then it's best. Because He knows what is best. And when we leave the choice with Him, He always gives what is best. So let's go back to the question. Is it time to get married? That's for God to answer, isn't it? To say, my times are in your hands, Lord. I give it to you. I surrender it to you. And whatever his answer is, he always gives what is best to those who leave the choice with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you that you do have a plan for each of our lives. Not just in marriage, but in every other aspect of our lives. So, God, you have a plan for us. And I pray that we would surrender into your hands, our lives, our future. Whatever that may be, O oh God, we know that you have a plan for us. And help us to rest in that. Help us to rejoice in that. Help us to embrace that today. That you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to be our Redeemer. As Boaz purchased Ruth, you purchased us. We are your bride. Thank you, Lord, for that great love. Help us to live in a trusting, living relationship with you, following your plan and purpose for each of our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.